yeah, I'm not sure how much of that I can play before Disney comes after me, so let's go a little more generic here. I was born in the summer of 1976. Ten months later, Star Wars hit movie theaters, so it's pretty much been around my entire life. It became a huge part of my life in the summer of 83 with the release of Return of the Jedi. I was seven at the time, and I had all the toys leading up to that film. I had the Ewok Village, I had Jabba the Hutt's Throne Room, I even sent off cereal box tops and got an Emperor figure before it ever hit the stores. Fast forward to the 90s and college, where I stood in line overnight with a bunch of dorks, and yes, I say that with the utmost affection, waiting for The Phantom Menace. Fast forward again to this last decade, when I got to share my love of these films with my own children, taking them to first day showings of the new films, and watching new shows like The Mandalorian on TV. I'm a proud Star Wars nerd, and I'm absolutely okay telling you this. But why am I telling you this? It's because my guest today has more Star Wars knowledge in his non-robotic right hand than I've gathered in my entire 46 years on this planet. Thomas Harper is a 2010 graduate of Campbell Law School. He was part of that class that spent its first few years in Bowie's Creek before the school moved to downtown Raleigh. And he was also featured in the spring 2022 edition of Campbell Magazine for his work with the American Red Cross in international humanitarian law. Thomas is also a U.S. Army veteran who served in Afghanistan before returning to his current career where he now advises the military on legal ramifications of armed conflict. That is a mouthful. I didn't write that story, but when it came time to edit it and look for photos to go along with the story, I discovered this whole other side of Thomas. He's not only a walking encyclopedia of Star Wars knowledge and perhaps one of the franchise's biggest fans, he's a national champion of Star Wars trivia. Go on YouTube. You can find it. It's really amazing what he knows. He's combined his love for these films with his career as a member of the Legal Geeks team, where he's written several pieces about the legality of Star Wars and the politics that are a huge part of the epic story. So that's what we're going to talk about over this next half hour. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're in for a real treat, and if you're not, it's still a pretty great interview. Maybe he'll even convince you to revisit that galaxy far, far away. I'm Billy Liggett, Director of News and Publications at Campbell University, and this Rhymes with Orange. I gotta say, I'm I'm kind of uh, intimidated to talk to you, and and it has nothing to do with your legal career. I I've always been the uh, the Star Wars fan in the room. I've always been the the person that that my friends or whatever say, "Hey, uh, what happened?" So and so and so and so, and um, you know, more often than not, I had the answer. But I'm talking to like a, a bona fide, just you know, wealth of knowledge here. So I, uh, I, 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 I drew up a few questions, but then the whole time I'm thinking, God, I, I sound, I sound like an idiot in these questions. So no, apologies, no, apologies not, to begin with. No, not at all. It's uh, what, what is, I appreciate the compliment. It's, it's uh, verifiably an illness. So there, okay. there are plenty of folks that are concerned for my health and well-being. <laughs> Because of that. So. Well, to to go from a, a humanitarian law meeting to this, um, I, I hope it's a. That's a know. good Friday. Okay, good. We all have our kind of origin stories of where we mm-hmm. fell in love with these films, and I want to ask that first of you, um, sticking with Star Wars, uh, what got you in into this universe? Yeah, a bootleg VHS copy of A New Hope that my dad had. Uh, 
recorded over probably some like family video, but he popped it in uh, back in the day. It was like Fox had a new hope. So you had to turn on your local Fox station if you wanted to watch that movie on TV. And then TBS had Empire and Jedi. Right. And so he had recorded over commercials and everything. And we had a, one of those old school, like two TVs in the gigantic wood box that was common in the eighties. We had the, the same TV for most of my life and he just hit play. And, you know, I had been into Ninja Turtles and Transformers and stuff, but the moment that Darth Vader steps on to lay a ship on that teeny little screen, as grainy as that thing was, it, it had me hooked. And, you know, we had for years until the, you know, they started doing home movie releases. That's all we had. So I would just hit rewind, watch it with the commercials and everything. And I I probably near about wore out the tapes. And this was probably early 90s when I got introduced. And okay. it was like a dead zone for Star Wars. There were some books coming out, some novels, but that was way above my brain grade at the time. And then about 95, you had the re-release of the toys uh, by Hasbro, the, the sort of reinvigoration. And that that came when I was about 10 years old, and that was perfect timing. Oh, yeah. So, so the, the, the prequels hit in uh, just as at the right time for you. So Oh, yeah. I was an eighth grader when Phantom Menace came out. So perfectly timed. George Lucas couldn't have planned it any better. <laughs> so for me... So for me, um, born in 76, uh, my first theater experience was Return of the Jedi. And yeah. I recall um, I got all the toys around that time, the Ewok oh, Village. and the, yeah. uh, um, I even sent off my cereal box tops to get an Emperor <laughs> figure. And That's amazing. Yeah. Had I only never touched them and never played with them, I would have, you know... <laughs> Um, I want to say I had the original Boba Fett's even that wow. uh, with the little springy rocket in the back. Yeah, but, yeah. But shame on me. I played with them. And, and yeah, shame <laughs> on you for playing with your toys. <laughs> so it, it's been a lifelong thing for me. Um, we'll get into the uh, um, we'll get into, you know, your how you mix a lot of Star Wars. But just yeah. kind of setting the scene a little bit more. Um, nine films main films, a couple other films, uh, a lot of TV shows of, of, of recent. So what, what's your favorite of Star Wars? And maybe it's the films, maybe it's the recent TV shows. Um, I, I'm not, uh, I'll never ask a Star Wars fan what they don't like because we all have our different opinions and everybody and none of it matters. <laughs> but, but what, what do you like? What, what do you like about them? And, and what's your favorite of the, of the, uh, of what's out there? I really like everything. It's it's tough to rank. I, I tend to look at it in terms of time. If I have, say, 30 minutes to sit down and watch a scene or a chunk of a movie, what am I most likely to go to? And it it depends on the day, depends on the week, but it's a neck-and-neck neck race between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Jedi was my favorite as a kid. There's just nothing like the end battle. Like you've got a dueling space and ground battle going at the same time. I'm to this day a fleet geek. I love starfighters and and capital ships, all that stuff. Even though I, I ended up joining the army and not the navy uh, right. in real life. But um, yeah, it was just nothing like that. You can't beat the Battle of Hoth and and all the dig of the training scenes. Um, so it's it's neck and neck. And nostalgia is a powerful, powerful thing in your brain. And I just have such 
like deep connections to both those movies, just, you know, Christmas day, like playing with the toys and having those on the background or whatever. Just so many memories come back uh, to, to the entire original trilogy, but to those in particular. Okay. We're in this Disney era of star Wars right now. And um, I, I will say this about this current era is I think that the TV shows that they're making are, um, are just fantastic. I think they're, they, they take, all these original ideas and what television allows is for them to go a little more in depth and slow down a little bit. And I'm really enjoying all of this. Uh, what's been your take on the, the last, I guess, maybe five, six years of, of going back from the Clone War series, which is a little bit further back to where we are today with everything that's coming out. You can fully appreciate my position on this because you and I, you more so than I, but, but we both lived through large chunks of time where it was just a dead zone. There was just no Star Wars coming out, maybe a little book here or there, but there was nothing. You, you had to create your own Star Wars. If you were to go back to 1993, 94 and tell like little kid me that there not just is new Star Wars, but there's more Star Wars than you can conceivably keep up with <laughs> in books and comics and right. shows. I, I wouldn't believe you. I'd, I'd say you're like a, uh, a liar and a freak from the future, but I, I just think it's amazing. There's something out there for everyone. The, the sheer volume of material, especially if you, if you venture out and you read uh, the, the novels or the comics, that sort of stuff, there is a story out there that fits every interest. And there's a character, perhaps un, unlike any other time in, in Star Wars history, there's a character out there for everyone as well. It's not just Luke, Leia, Vader, and, and Obi-Wan and Lando anymore. The, the galaxy very literally has gotten bigger. And so I love it. The fact that we're, what, uh, less than two weeks away from Andor, a brand new show. Bad Batch will come back in December. It's just, it's a little overwhelming at times, but it's so much fun. It's just this, this wave after wave of new Star Wars. And it's a great time to be alive and be a fan, I would say. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's good stuff. It's good television. And I think they they bring in some heavy hitters to produce and direct these things. And, oh, yeah. Um, so, okay. So we got the background of why you love it. What, what got you into it? Um, you're a Campbell law graduate. Uh, what years did you, did you attend Campbell? So my first, I, 07 to 10. And I'm a 2010 law school graduate. So my first two years were down in, at the Bowie's Creek campus. Okay. In, uh, the old bell tower, bats and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so your third year was after the move to Raleigh then. Yeah. Yeah. We still had, there were still ongoing construction. Stuff wasn't all fully polished up when we started, but it was a, it was a good move. Good to be able to split my time. So it's interesting because uh, Campbell Law students now only know Raleigh and right. they don't have that Bowie's Creek experience. And um, and it's a unique experience. It, it is. And oh, yeah. so you, you've got to appreciate both sides of it. Um, you uh, you've had this successful career in humanitarian law. Um, you're an army vet. And um, I want to say uh, I think it's cool that you have this successful career, but then you have this. I, I don't even want to call it a hobby because I think that belittles what you, what you do but um it, it almost is like there's two different people and that's my question to you is are are there two yous or or does this all mix together really nicely like are you able to um i mean are you just are you a different person like in this meeting you were 
in before, <laughs> you know, before talking to me. Uh, obviously, it wasn't about the same subject, but are, are there two different views or is this all just part of you, I guess? I, I have learned. So, so there's there's one me that hasn't always been the case. I think all of us go through these these growing pains where we've got our personal and professional interests and like what what degree do we we infuse those. But I took a lot of inspiration. Uh, I had a, a, a professor at Campbell that was really instrumental in my life, uh, Brian Boyd, who is my first year legal writing professor and uh, went on was a, a coach of mine. We've, we became good friends. And uh, Professor Boyd, he was his authentic self, was still the, the professor with, with high standards and sort of met that Campbell mold. But he would come in and he would talk about his family. He would talk about Star Wars. He would talk about all the things that, that interested him. And for me, that was one of the first times in my life I had had that experience with a professor where I, you're, you're seeing the person in addition to the professional, but they coexisted in a way that, that really like amplified my experience and made it better in class. It helped me. I like to think I learned more. Right. I, I certainly sat there and was, was more engaged. And it, it was just really refreshing. And so after that, I said, you know, I told myself that whatever I end up doing in life, legal or otherwise, I, I want to make sure that I don't box up what makes me me. And and in my case, Star Wars, as, as silly as it may be to some people, it's a bunch of space movies. That's that's infused in, in who I am. And so, you know, you're you're. The folks that are just listening to this down the line, you won't see behind me, but I, you know, I have a picture of Boba Fett uh, with Vader behind me. I, right. I, I often <laughs> he does. I see down, it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I often will work down in the basement where I have my, my full podcast set up with all my Star Wars stuff. And I don't blur my background. I don't do any of that stuff. And, and um, you know, more often than not, I think when I interact with folks in the professional realm, it just leads to a fun conversation and they see that, that I'm, it, it helps break down barriers and it helps make me more approachable. So I'm just a person and I, I'm sure that there are one or two people out there that have, have formed judgments, negative or otherwise, based on that. And that's their prerogative. But for me, it's, it's a lot more fun to be able to bring that into my personality. I don't try to wedge it into conversations or things where it's not appropriate. Right. But. Uh, you you got to be dealing with uh, when, when you deal with me, I want folks to deal with like Thomas. Right. They, and, and, and that's part of it. So um, I try to infuse that. I'm lucky enough now in, in what I do to be able to actively infuse it in what I do in some of the instruction. But um, yeah, that, that, that will be something that I will fight uh, and go to the mat over. And, and that's something that I try to impart on young professionals. You don't have to beat people over the head with it, but it's okay to like, you're a big Carolina Panthers fan and you, it's okay to have a poster of the, the Panthers or the stadium or something like that in your office. Nobody's going to look and say, wow, you don't have your degrees up. You have a poster, a football poster instead. I yeah. I'd probably want a different lawyer. Um, <laughs> if they do, if they do think that that's probably for the best for both. Of you. Right. Um, that's what, and that's what I think is really cool is uh, you've, you've managed to, very uniquely merge your pat your career and your passion with with some of the uh you know, when you write about the legality of Star Wars and so this is where I'm going to probably sound like an idiot but I I do think it got me to thinking well yeah of course Star Wars maybe more so than than other 
um, fiction out there does, is full of uh, legal issues and politics. Um, you go back to the, the very first film where it's just almost a throwaway line, but uh, I, I want to say it's Tarkin or somebody says something like uh, um, the emperor has disbanded the Senate. And and you're thinking, you know, it, it's a throwaway line, but then the, the whole prequels <laughs> is really based on, you know, th- that line and, and a few other lines from from that right. movie. And it's just um, and then you, the prequels are all about politics. It's all about the fall of democracy. And then um, I think the the Last Jedi um, had had some really cool scenes where they blur the lines between good and evil and who funds a war. And and uh, and I think the TV shows, the Clone Wars, and everything has gone even deeper into that. So I know there are some out there that just like the lightsabers. They just like the ships. But I think this part of the of the universe fascinates a lot of people and it obviously fascinates you a lot so um what 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 is it about that part of of this entire universe that is most intriguing to you i guess it's it's such a powerful teaching force and it goes two ways uh just as a as a franchise because star wars as a kid for me helped me make sense of complicated things in the world, uh, things that I couldn't understand that were unfolding uh, before my eyes, stuff like 9-11 and, and things like that that were were uh, played large in my childhood. Um, there's often a disconnect. It's hard to, to, to watch these images or consume some of these news stories and fully appreciate and understand what's going on and, and what's happening. But if you look at a franchise like Star Wars, there's so many of these lessons and and not just lessons in in the incidents themselves. I mean, I, you know, you, a new hope revolves around like one of the single biggest crimes and, and tragedies that you can conceive of: the destruction of of an entire planet, of Leia's entire planet, and she has to watch it, and then she has to to find the resolve to soldier on, quite literally, lead the rebellion, and carry on her mission in spite of everything that's happened to her, and. It's it's lessons like that that I think are powerful in life. They're they're purposefully infused by Lucas. There's a reason why he speaks so eloquently and so at length when he's asked about it, about the real world inspirations. Uh, it's quite different than maybe a franchise like Lord of the Rings, where you have an author like Tolkien that says, my books are not allegories. They are not to be read as, as commentary on political events or or, or anything like that, or, or a, a thinly veiled, um, you know, on-screen uh, example of, of my personal experiences in World War One or elsewhere. George Lucas went the exact opposite route. He said, "Oh no, very. This, this is a commentary on things like Vietnam and and the politics of the day, Nixon and and et cetera." Right. So I look at something like that, and that's that's a powerful force. But it's also powerful because our experience in real life and and learning more about real life things like the law can help you better appreciate and understand star Wars. So when you, you watch a new hope and you, uh, you see that, that scene that you mentioned, or even in the, the very opening confrontation with Vader and Leia, uh, she, she says, you know, this is a, a diplomatic ship on a, uh, a consular ship on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. The Imperial Senate won't stand still for this. And Vader immediately pushes back, declares her a traitor and a spy and, and sends her off. That's a cool line, 
but there's real like legal implications to that. And so when you take a scene like that, that everybody knows nearly by heart and you talk about like, why is she saying that? Why, like, why is the line written like that? Why even have an exchange like this? Well, because of things like diplomatic immunity, it's because, you know, a, a state flag vessel uh, that, that's out on the high seas, that's operating under under the flag and under the authority of a government has certain rights and privileges, privileges against being boarded by the enemy, that sort of thing, uh, privileges against people being taken prisoner on that ship. So there's a real life meaning to it. So suddenly you understand a little bit more about the real life concept and you can go back and watch Star Wars and and see it in a little different way. And it's like a little bit cooler each time you watch it. So it, it sort of unlocks uh, these new angles to watch it from. So for me, it's it's this business of getting to constantly evolve the way I watch these movies and it keeps them fresh for me. Yeah. And that's and you could watch it 100 times as a kid and not oh, yeah. get and not pick that up. and then. As an adult, you know, I, I've got I've been able to experience this with with my kids who are um, 13, 10 and eight now. And so to see it through their eyes and, and it's been great. But that I think that what was so great, I guess, about A New Hope is it threw you right into the story that it took it took no time to explain any of it. It just no. threw you right into it. And and it, and that's, you know, obviously it made for him to be able to expand on it with the prequels. But uh, um, I think that was kind of the, the genius of the beginning of that movie, which is still my favorite, um, you know, part of all of Star Wars. Uh, so um, I learned two things about you. I've been following you on Twitter for the, the past few months. And I learned two things about you. Um, you have a, a odd fascination with the Y-Wing. You mentioned ships earlier. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know if I completely understand it, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> And uh, the other thing is, is you're an extremely positive fan. And I know you don't like everything in Star Wars and, and you don't like everything in, in you know, in, in life. But sure. when it comes to this, you're an extremely positive fan. You have nothing but but upbeat, positive things to say about it. Yeah, um, and this is coming at a time where um, not only fans of, of this, um, you know, of this of these films, but just the, the new Lord of the Rings or. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, going back to uh, um, pretty much anything that comes out now, uh, there's this toxic fandom that I, I don't even know why they, they call themselves fans, but they just they want to tear it down. They want to tear down uh, minority actors and actresses. They want to tear down um, these beliefs and, and all this. And I just want to know your thoughts on that, because it almost seems to me like you're very positive, but you're almost purposely positive for this very reason. I come at that from two angles. A, a, a lot of this, a lot of what you see online stems from the ability to monetize outrage and make money off of the, these outrageous opinions. I think if this were just normal life, if this were uh, us around the, the lunch table at school or, or whatever, and somebody was honestly this upset over something they just wouldn't watch it anymore i mean i knew i knew kids i had friends that they got upset over something and they just quit the the material like that's the natural thing to do i don't want to watch this anymore it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me anymore it's been ruined whatever i go off but now you can make a paycheck make a living make a for some of these folks a good living um doing nothing but but stoking the same outrage and so there's a natural tendency amongst folks, particularly when you don't like something, uh, a 
especially within a franchise that you love, you want to seek out affirmation. I think that's a, a just a normal aspect of, of our personalities. It, it happens on the positive side, too. But I know with the Star Wars material that I've struggled with, you know, I've, I've walked out of the theater at least once thinking, like, did I watch the same movie that everybody else watched? I'm, I'm struggling with aspects of this. And so I go out and, and I, what do I do? I look for other folks that, that might have similar opinions to, to just make sure that I'm not crazy. And so there's an element of that. And I, I think it's unfortunate that, that they continue to get that, that loud, noisy minority continues to get attention and continues to get rewarded financially or otherwise for, for doing what they're doing. But where I come from uh, on it, and I, I think where a lot of fans come from, is that Star Wars has always been a bastion of, of sort of safety and, and, and calm for me. At, at some of the toughest points in my life, when I was in elementary school, middle school, uh, getting terribly bullied. Star Wars was was my retreat location. That was my green zone where I could come back. And uh, you know, Luke Skywalker didn't make fun of me. Uh, Lando didn't didn't call me names. Um, Leia didn't care what what backpack I had that I brought to school. Uh, they were just authentically themselves on screen, and and uh, that was my escape. And it it persisted in that way my entire life, and I refuse to let this this thing that has always been a positive force and a, a, an anchor point in my life become something that harbors any negative negativity. And that that's even though I I, I don't like all Star Wars the same. I, I, I certainly am, am positive about it and, and I will be critical about my opinion of some some aspects of it. But for me it is it is and always will be that that retreat point 